0: Welcome to the I Matter
1: podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the iMatter podcast. Can I ask you a personal question? If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Now, I know you probably have your favourite place and I have mine and everybody else has their own, but I'm not really talking about you, you. I'm talking about the people of the world. If we remove our own private filters and we're really objective about it and people could choose anywhere in the world that they could live, where would they live, apart from living close to family and friends. So what's the things we look for when you're looking for a place to live? A place with a democratic government, a strong economy, a stable currency and a reliable financial system, high level of education high regard for human rights, really good lifestyle, sustainable environment, those sort of things. And I reckon Australia would come right up there near the top of the list. And I reckon if we were narrowing it down even further, we would look at the southwest of Australia. It's got all of those benefits as well as being in the same time zones as much of Asia and Asia is going to lead our way in the 21st century and the southwest of Australia has room to grow. Now, is it just a coincidence that it happens to be in my neck of the woods as well? Well, I'll let you decide that but before you accuse me of being biased I challenge you, find me another place in the world with all those benefits but it's not as easy as you think. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because in the next three weeks, I'll be speaking at two conferences in the southwest, one in Busselton, one in Bunbury. They're both about the future of the region and its major role in growth and development over the next 30 years or so. And in both of these conferences, I'll be talking about why, why this region is such an attractive place to live now. And it's not just because of the things that I said, you know, the economy, the environment, access to Asia, those sort of things are important and that's part of it. But the biggest driver is what I call the end of distance. You see, the southwest of Australia and many other regional areas in Australia and around the world have always been an attractive place to live. But because all our work has been centralized around cities, it's been too far away for most people to live. Now, That's changed. The internet has changed all that, and in a really profound way. In a few years, teams won't need to be in the same office. Travel will happen in driverless cars. Drones will deliver goods 24-7. Virtual reality will take us across the world instantly. Now, a lot of that is already happening, but it's not mainstream yet, and soon it will be. And when that happens, regions like the southwest of Australia, which until now have been isolated by the tyranny of distance, will be connected because we'll have the end of distance. Now, if you're a leader, this is not just a theoretical academic discussion, you've got responsibility for steering your organization into this future, and your workplace and your teams will change. So, what will our workplaces look like in the future? I recently talked about this with my friend, Dr Chris Putney. Chris and I host a monthly podcast, Out of Office, which is all about this kind of workplace. And in a recent episode, Chris described a day in the life of a future worker. So I'm going to share that with you here. And as you listen to this, imagine that it's taking place not in a major city, but in a regional centre like Busselton or Bunbury, if you're from Western Australia, or somewhere else near you, the sort of place where you might choose to live if it just wasn't so far away. This might just convince you to move there. Let's listen.
0: Elle wakes up at 6.30am. She does so naturally most days, but had she slept until 6.45am, her smart net would have gently buzzed her into wakefulness. Elle's husband, Alberto, is already up and working. He's an early bird. Elle goes into the bathroom and puts on her gym gear. The apartment displays some useful information on the vanity mirror. News and weather, Elle's daily agenda, reminders, and sleep log, which shows that Elle enjoyed a solid eight-hour sleep with just one interruption. That's right, their cat Winston had tangled with the new cleaner bot. Elle heads out of the apartment, blowing a kiss to Alberto, who's already at work in the study doing his morning shift. On her way down to the gym, Elle checks her personal messages. There's one from Alberto's mum, confirming her visit this evening for dinner. May she bring a dessert? Elle replies in the affirmative. Elle checks into the gym and her virtual trainer, Vigo, is projected before her. Today, he has a 40-minute weights program for Elle. As Elle works through her routine, each piece of gym equipment automatically adjusts to Elle's program and logs her performance. Vigo provides instruction and encouragement, and Elle works hard to hit her targets. At the end of the session, Elle warms down and Vigo reviews Elle's performance and plans tomorrow's exercise routine. Elle's favourite, CrossFit. Back at the apartment... Elle showers and changes into her work clothes. Alberto has roused the children and Elle joins them for breakfast. The kitchen has automatically prepared individual meals for each family member. Elle takes into account her morning weights routine and her day schedule as well as some of her favourites, warm warm mixed berries and Greek yoghurt. The family chat about their day ahead. The kids are excited because today they'll be visiting the Great Barrier Reef. Not the actual reef, but a virtual reality model of it. Like most children, the kids are schooled at home in a virtual classroom. And today, it's Alberto's turn to help them with their studies. As a keen amateur scuba diver, he's excited to be visiting the reef too. Elle's day will be her usual usual routine, but she'll be having lunch with Stefan, one of her team members, and his wife, Ashria. They're visiting Perth for a holiday. Elle and Stefan will also be doing some work together, which is a fairly rare treat to spend time with one of her colleagues. While Alberto and the kids are getting ready for class... Elle speaks with the home automation system. Everything's operating smoothly, but there is an alert from the cleaner bot when it had to shut down suddenly last night. Winston. Elle reviews the menu for the evening's dinner and confirms cancellation of dessert. Elle also confirms her lunch booking with the restaurant. A short list has been predictively generated based on Elle's personal tastes and those of her guests. From the list, she selects a restaurant known for its spectacular views and specialty dishes sourced from local produce.
1: Hello, Chris.
0: Hi, Gihan. How are you?
1: Very well, very well.
0: Welcome to the future. <laughs> indeed, indeed. The not-too-distant future.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's a really great idea, Chris. And I really credit you a lot for writing this story of Elle and a day in the life of a future out-of-office worker. I love what you've done. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to look at what might be coming up in the future. As you said, not in the very far distant future, but maybe in the next five or ten years.
0: Yeah, indeed. We did a bit of crystal ball gazing uh, towards the end of last year and thought about some of the technologies that are here already, some that are on the horizon and some just over the horizon, how they might impact on the, the work and life of an out-of-office worker.
1: Yes, and, and while we're at a break, break in the story, let's look at some of the technology you talked about. So the first thing you mentioned was a, a smart net. So L has a smart net. Actually, why don't you describe what that is?
0: Sure. So a smart net is going to be a a wireless personal network of smart sensors and devices that are integrated into El's clothing. She's got skin sensors. She's got contact lenses that are smart as well, an earpiece and a headset, all kinds of devices that are networked together and they constantly monitor and log her physical state, things like her pulse and perspiration and respiration rates. And uh, that was inspired by the fact that my daughter, she bought a Fitbit with her Christmas money Mm. this year. And it's really quite a clever little device for such a tiny device. It it, uh, monitors quite a lot of activity and infers quite a lot about what what Lauren gets up to throughout the day. Um, But the L SmartNet uh, will be an advanced version of that, and the information that it collects and logs... Elle would be able to selectively share that with a variety of online services and that would allow her to, uh, allow them to provide services to her and the device, the SmartNet, would also allow her to communicate with the internet using voice and gestures and even thought. There are devices on the market now like the emotive, they're a headset that allows you to use thought commands to control your your PC. Um, So, uh as well as interacting, she'd get information from the cloud through the smart net and that would be presented to her through a variety of modalities, visual, so they'd be projected onto surfaces that are nearby or onto her contact lenses in 3D or into her earpiece or she'd have tactile feedback through the skin contacts that make
1: up the smart net. Yeah, great. And another thing that you mentioned was about her smart house. So she's got an apartment which... um, kind of knows who's living there and is connected to, to her and the other people in it. So uh, as she goes to the, ba- in the bathroom, her vanity mirror gives the information, which is completely relevant and customised to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got an automatic cleaning robot like, like the Roomba created by this company iRobot um, and at the moment it just does kind of like cleaning uh, floor cleaning but in the future I'm sure we'll have technology that does other sorts of cleaning as well because it can't climb stairs like Daleks does <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the same sort of problem yet, yet but we will have that of course um, and you've also got the smart kitchen where the, the kitchen automatically uh, prepares meals uh, It's. I remember many years ago, Chris, the, the whole idea, when, when the internet was new, there was the, the whole idea was that we'd have an internet-connected fridge, mm. where the fridge would automatically know to put in an order to Woolies and Coles when it was uh, low on your supplies. And this is taking it to the next level, where the whole kitchen can do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And of course, it would place those orders based on what it, what it infers that you need for, for your various healthy diets and for your exercise programs, for the, the, the daily routine that you have. All that would be done um, intelligently
1: yeah exactly and I think the the next level up from that is the idea that it can make predictions and you mentioned not so much with the kitchen but you mentioned with the uh, um, you know else internet connected smart net can make predictions about what kind of restaurants she might want to visit uh, based on knowing who she's going to meet later in the day, what her personal preferences are what her Guests' preferences are, and in this case you you said that it presents a short list of restaurants that fit all those criteria, and all she has to do is pick from that short list and they're they're available in priority order I think it's quite a big shift to go from just basic monitoring like Lawrence Fitbit does now to then being able to make predictions and make recommendations for the future based on past behavior
0: yeah and we But we are starting to see that, aren't we? So if you've got an Android phone, you've probably got the Google Now server switched on. And that sort of thing, that Google Now does things like it looks at your location and it suggests restaurants that are nearby or interesting um, sightseeing places that you can go to based on your location. It tells you how long it will take you to get back home if you're away from home. So that kind of predictive technology is already in our hands with things like Google Now.
1: Yep, exactly. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. So another thing that you mentioned is this whole idea of virtual reality, which I think is going to be really big. Mm. Uh, Facebook's investing heavily in it right now, uh, and the idea is that it's just going to bring people together in a virtual world uh, with the same sort of fidelity and quality that you currently get in the physical world. And uh, I had the opportunity to try uh, the the latest in virtual reality technology, Chris, at a conference uh, I spoke at last year, I spoke at a real estate conference, and one of the exhibitors, which actually was realestate.com, they were demonstrating the use of VR, virtual reality, for doing house walkthroughs So, instead mm-hmm. sort of a real estate agent having to take a potential buyer through a house. Um, the buyer just dons these virtual reality headset, which presumably in the future, they'll own their own a headset uh, they don it and they do a virtual walkthrough of the house and it's quite realistic so as you're walking around uh, the the scene changes when you uh, when you stoop to look at something on the floor uh, it gets a bit closer, the, the floor gets closer um, so you actually can do quite a good tour of the house uh, just by just by wearing a virtual reality headset without ever having to visit the house and I can see that's something that's going to be bigger in the future
0: yeah so uh, it's been a long time coming. You and I remember VR from last century, which was these huge, cumbersome headsets that you had to wear, and they were really the, the fidelity was really poor. but now the current VR the, those those headsets are much more compact and lightweight. the fidelity is far greater than it was a generation ago, and then in the future they'll be integrated into L Smartnet. that VR will be available um, seamlessly and with with high fidelity.
1: Yes, and I think without trying to predict too much into the future, I think it's worth mentioning that wherever you are, whatever business you're operating, just think about if there's any sort of physical aspect to it, just think how virtual reality will affect that. I, I can see that myself. As a conference speaker, uh, at the moment, I get on a plane, fly to a venue where a few hundred other people have done exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. They they gather in a room and uh, I'm up there on stage speaking for, for 45 to 60 minutes, um, and I think that's going to change, and VR is going to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The big news probably about five years ago, or the buzz, was all about holograms. So uh, the people would still be at the conference, but a hologram of me would be projected. So uh, that takes away the cost and the expense and the the fatigue of me traveling. But virtual reality means that somebody who wants to be a conference attendee can don their VR glasses, sit in a room uh, or a virtual room. They look around and it's like there's a whole crowd with them and they look up and they can see the speaker. uh, And that's going to be reality, not just virtual reality. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned is this idea of the the virtual trainer. So Vigo, I think you you call her, where where Elle goes to the gym and instead of joining a class uh, where she's training together with some buddies or instead of doing her individual workout simply by herself, she has a virtual trainer who works along with her. And again, that's one of those things that's that's going to become big in the future. Uh, Even at the moment, you can get something like that. It's not personalized though. Uh, At this stage, for example, when I go to my 24-7 gym, if I want to do a workout uh, by myself, I can do that, but if I want to do a workout, uh, I want to follow a a program, then I can go into the training room and choose from a number of different uh, videos which I project onto a big screen, and I just follow the instructor's uh, uh, training. Now, the instructor doesn't see me, and I can't see her, so she doesn't know whether I'm doing the right thing or not, but in the future, that's going to be the case, that that it will be personalized, customized, and um, you'll be able to interact with your virtual instructor.
0: Yeah, it's very much what you said about VR previously, is that it's the impact of virtual reality on that, combined with the feedback to the system that develops your program. It looks at how you've performed, what your needs are and your targets are, and adjusts your program accordingly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I've come across something on a smaller scale and probably a little bit more low-tech, but the same sort of idea. Um, There's a robot called Autom. Mm-hmm. And when I say robot, it's just something that sits on your desk and it's like a fitness coach and uh, it costs $200 and then you pay a $20 a month subscription. Just like a fitness coach. (laughs) Just like a fitness (laughs) coach. (laughs) And, And she's a weight loss coach. So what happens is that uh, she you you log what you've done. So you you log you log your routines, uh, your fitness routines. You log what you eat, and she cheers you on or chastises you for <laughs> right. the routine. Right, just like a fitness coach. It, just like a fitness coach, but but also just like a fitness coach, she customises her advice to keep you motivated. Mm-hmm. So uh, she learns what you respond best to, and uh, then uh, gives feedback the next time. Uh, Along those lines, like it's customized for each person based on their past behavior so um, the the intelligence is there, and uh, it's just a case of getting the technology uh, like the hardware technology to that point as well mm. and and also just while you were mentioning the the mm. whole idea of auto adjusting to personal uh, personal use so I bought a car last week, Chris, so I collected my my new car last week, and it's got some of these auto adjust features in there now uh, to some extent it's still manual, but I can um adjust my seat to exactly where I want it, press a button and it gets remembered. Uh, And then if somebody else gets in the car and readjusts it, so Nikki might have a different seat adjustment, Abby might have a different seat adjustment, when I get back in the car, I can just press my memory button and it comes back to to my settings. Now, in the future, I won't have to press the button. It'll automatically recognize me and adjust uh, adjust automatically. And that sort of thing, which is very basic at the moment, is going to be much more uh, common in the future. Indeed, yep. All right, so sorry for interrupting your story, Chris. Let's press on. Elle farewells her family,
0: grabs her hoverboard. That's right, Keihan, there's hoverboards in the future. <laughs> and heads out of the apartment. She rides down to her favourite waterfront cafe, come working space, taking the scenic route through the park for a bit of exercise. Elle is prompted to confirm a predictive order, an espresso and blueberry muffin, to be ready on her arrival. At the co-working cafe, Elle settles into her favourite booth by the window. It's her regular morning work venue. It's set up for workers like Elle, blending a trendy cafe with the facilities of a co working space. But what Elle likes most is its riverside location. Elle smiles and nods to a couple of other regulars. Maros, the manager, delivers Elle's order and checks she has all she needs. The booths are set up so that people can work in privacy and without disturbing others. Elle launches her work display using a vocal command, projecting it onto a nearby surface. Nothing urgent, so using a series of gestures, she files away each message for later processing, automatically updating her work slate. She then opens her team's project management system. Elle's part of a small freelance team that develops 3D models, mainly for games and film studios. There are four core members of the team, Elle, Arshad, Miriam and Stefan, who have worked together for several years on many projects. A young graduate Izzy has just joined them, and graphic artist Wei has been, has been recruited for the current project. Elle opens the project dashboard and reviews the situation. Overnight, Arshad and Miriam met with the client to review the current set of models produced by the team. The clients are happy with progress and have requested a few changes. Miriam has submitted the changes to the project management system, which has automatically created a series of tasks and prioritised and assigned them to members of the team. Things are on on track as usual. Elle checks some changes for which she's been the, the assigned reviewer. All the changes pass review. Elle confirms the project management system request for additional documentation and tests for one of Izzy's changes. Izzy's turning out to be a great asset. She's completing her studies at MIT online while working with the team. Izzy had an excellent portfolio of models she developed as a hobbyist and glowing feedback from her freelance projects. She was keen to work, on a, work with the team on larger projects. Stefan is mentoring Izzy, teaching her the systems and tools and processes the team uses. He's semi-retired and gradually transitioning his work to other team members. He spends most of his time, most of the year, travelling the globe with his wife, a bioinformatician, the quintessential digital nomads. L is looking forward to catching up with them for lunch. Elle gets on with some of her modelling tasks. The interface to L's modelling tool allows her to use a combination of voice and thought gestures. Elle sees the model in 3D, projected in stereo onto her contact lenses. She makes solid progress and completes a draft of one of her models. The co-working space has a 3D printer, of course, but Elle wants a higher-resolution model with fur and articulation and compressibility, so she sends her model to a printing surface that her team regularly uses. It's a good time for a break, so Elle grabs a board and rides along the riverfront, enjoying the scenery and fine weather. She receives a notification that her model is being printed and is being drone-delivered to the co-working cafe. Elle heads back to the cafe, confirming a predictive order for a berry smoothie to be ready on her return. Elle is notified that one of her friends, Aniko from the 3D Modelers Meetup group, is signed in and her status is available, in- indicating that it's okay to interrupt her. Elle locates Aniko and they, ha- they go to a quiet booth for a chat. Maros delivers Elle's smoothie and three D model. It looks good, the three D model. The texture and articulation just as she'd visualized. Elle shows the model to Aniko and describes the techniques she used to develop it. Anako is duly impressed and invites Elle to present her work at a subsequent meetup. They chat some more before Aniko returns to work. Elle returns to a work booth and displays the project dashboard. She updates her modelling tasks with some notes on the changes she's made. After examining the printed model, Elle adds a couple of subtasks for further re- refinements. The project management system automatically invites comments from Way on the current build of Elle's model.
1: Oh, great! That's that's really good, Chris. And what I really like here is that we can now look at. In the first section, we looked at things that happen in the home, and I think we can now look at some of the things that happen in the workplace. So you talked about again. We talked about predictive orders, uh, and you know that. The cafes and restaurants and other service providers can make predictions ahead of time so that's mm-hmm. good um, as opposed to what we can do now which is like uh, sending a text to order your coffee and then pick it up when you when you arrive there um, but let's look at the workplace because you talked about she goes into a co-working space where she has a, a dedicate it's not really a dedicated space but prop, like a hot desk she can choose a booth she can work uh, either by herself or she can be at a table uh, surrounded by other people she has a lot of um technology that we now use like carrying a laptop around she doesn't need to do anymore she can do a lot based on um, the smart net and using uh, using things like gestures and thoughts and uh, in fact al- already Google is working on gesture control so that you can control things without a mouse or a, a trackpad or anything like that um, I really like what you're talking about the project dashboard uh, where she can log in and there's a dashboard which uh, which allows her to look at the current state of the project and that I really want to focus on the point that you made that it's it's automatic the the project management system is it's like having a a very smart project manager for you yeah. um, automatically because uh the, I, I think we can't we can almost and not visualize how smart artificial, artificial intelligence is going to be in in the future, so in five or ten years. In fact, I saw a prediction that said in ten years' time, um, a $1,000 laptop, which you might be carrying around today, will be as smart as a human brain. Um, and it's not that we'll be carrying laptops around, because all of that will be in the cloud, but that's the sort of intelligence we have. So if you can imagine a computer can do the sort of things that a human can do for you now, L will have access to, um, and or, access to a computer that can do her project management like a very smart executive assistant and project manager for her. Yeah, that's
0: right, Guillaume. I think a lot of project ma- management is mechanical and the real skill in project management is about managing people and personalities, not that mechanistic stuff of assigning tasks to individuals and prioritising. A lot of that is quite mechanical and there are uh, simple workflows that can be followed and even a dumb <laughs> project management system could handle that today, let alone uh, what's needed in the future. So it's really about freeing up project managers to do the difficult stuff and um and getting the the really easy stuff done automatically.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it might be a little bit controversial, but I think that the the AI will even be emotionally intelligent and yeah. be able to assign tasks uh, to say that these two people haven't worked together well, or they may not, or um, somebody is going through a difficult issue at home, so yeah. maybe they shouldn't get that task and so on, and even that can be automated.
0: Yeah, indeed, and, and have that, those kinds of insights automatically through the sorts of information that smart nets would gather and uh, and would be integrated into those systems
1: as well. Exactly. Exactly. The other thing that came through in what you were just uh, in that part of the story, Chris, is the the idea of different work styles. So you talked about the fact that uh, you've got these digital nomads. Uh, you've talked about how Stefan is semi-retired and he's gradually transitioning his work, but he can still work effectively in the um, in the modern workplace. But you may not have been able to do as effectively, let's say, now. Um, You talked about the fact that Izzy is studying online. She's studying at MIT online. um, And that sort of information, that quality of education, will be available to anyone anywhere around the world. Um, And more than that, it's taken for granted that that sort of qualification or that sort of skill is as valuable as having a bit of paper from um, a physical university. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think MIT have been ground, already groundbreaking in that area of online learning, and I think they'll probably set the pace in the future too.
1: Yep, yep. And a couple of other things which are starting to become commonplace, 3D printers and drone delivery. And I think, again, those are going to be two um, yeah, disruptive technologies.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if Amazon get the drone delivery up and running, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's going to change a lot of industries. Good. Let's have lunch. <laughs>
0: So, Elle receives notification that it's time to depart for her lunch with Stefan and Ashria. She heads for the terrace, and as she sets off, receives a message that a driverless car can collect her nearby and take her to the restaurant. Elle confirms the pickup and walks to where the car is waiting. Elle shares her location data and calendar with this company, allowing them to predictively dispatch vehicles to customers without them needing to explicitly order them. At the restaurant, Elle finds Stefan and Ashria at the bar, enjoying pre-lunch drinks. They both look fit and relaxed. The trio greet each other and are shown to their table, one with excellent views per Elle's preferences. Stefan and Ashria regale Elle with tales of their travel adventures.
1: Yeah, good. So the the lunchtime thing, I think there's a couple of things that I, I picked up on that you're talking about, Chris. Driverless cars, uh, that's a big technology. That, yeah. and I, I really think that's going to disrupt a lot of industries and a lot of the way that we work. Uh, disrupt in a positive way, I think. Um, and the second thing is this idea of predictive dispatching. And again, it's coming back to a point that we made earlier that you won't have to call up a driverless car. It will know that uh, it's uh, that the company will be able to predict that you'll, you'll need one at this time. Mm. And uh, it sounds a little bit scary, uh, but I think the technology is getting to the stage where. Computers will be able to make better predictions about our future than we can make ourselves. Yeah, and I think also
0: it's that I made the point that L had chosen to share that information with this particular service. So I think what we would look forward, to, what I would look forward to in the future, is the the ability to have a bit more control over the services and organisations with whom I share my calendar and my whereabouts so that I can get the advantage of those kinds of services, but also have the control over I know who has my data and what they're doing with it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, let's press on. After lunch, Elle and Stefan head for a CBD working, co-working campus where they'll have a video conference with prospective clients. They farewell Ashria and a driverless car delivers them to the campus. They find an available meeting room to prepare for the call. The team has been approached by a game studio to work on a future project. Elle's team has worked for this client before, so they've been shortlisted for this project based on their successful track record with the studio, as well as their excellent reputation doing similar work for other clients. Elle and Stefan also discuss Izzy and agree she's a keeper. They schedule a video call with Izzy to find out more about what makes her tick and how they can make work with the team more meaningful and rewarding for her. They receive notification that the meeting time is approaching, so they head for the telepresence suite they've booked. They could have used their smart nets for the video conference, but the campus customer relations system has suggested they indulge themselves in the high-fidelity holographic VR offered by the telepresence suite. The meeting is a detailed presentation of the project to the shortlisted teams, followed by a Q&A session. It goes well. Ellen and Stefan get the information they need to draft a bid for the work, and after the session, they plan to share what they've learned with their core team And develop their proposal. They schedule a time to review this together in a few days.
1: Yeah, good. And I've seen one of these telepresence suites, Chris. It's Mm. not the 3D holographic version yet, but uh, I went to one in Sydney. I went on a tour of this facility that had a very sophisticated, one of the best telepresence suites in Australia. And it looks pretty good. It's like you're sitting around a meeting room. It's like one of those, uh, you see pictures of UN headquarters and Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's like that. And you see people all around you. So it's as close to reality as we get now, but it's going to become so much better.
0: Yeah, it, it will. Um, and I think there's this that dichotomy between the ability to just use the, the facilities of your smart net versus um, maybe something that's a higher end offering that would in, make you choose between those two. So in this case... It's kind of pushed at them by the venue to come and try out their new telepresence suite. But they could probably have just used their smart net uh, uh, as a way of getting into the meeting as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure that those sort of telepresence suites, even now we see them as a the future. Um, in the future, they'll be seen as a the past. They'll be seen as uh, such an old fashioned way of doing things because you will be able to use your smart net for all of that. Yeah, you won't have to go somewhere specific. Exactly. And there's one other thing I picked up on, Chris, which is not a technology thing, but you, you talked about the fact that Elle's team has worked on similar projects before, so they've got a successful track record. So that's why they got shortlisted for this project. And even though it's not a technology, it is something that is going to become more important in the future. The idea that teams aren't necessarily made up of employees working for the same organization all the time, they're just made up of people who work together well, they perform, they achieve the results and then as a result of that they choose to bid for other projects and future employers uh, choose to employ that team for this project based on their track record rather than people working simply because that's where they get their salary.
0: Yeah, that's right. So teams will be more freelance and fluid, but also there'll be these talent markets, or there already are these talent markets, where teams track records on projects are are established and customers can come along and invite people to bid for work where they see that they've done great work before. Yep,
1: exactly. Okay.
0: Stefan leaves for his B&B and Elle grabs a work pod to finish a few more of her tasks. Around 4pm, she heads back to the apartment, catching a public shuttle, and then hoverboarding home. On the journey, Elle listens to one of her favourite podcasts. Back at the apartment, the kitchen is busy preparing dinner. The kids and Alberto finished class for the day, but are still exploring the reef. Elle joins them, and the kids show her where they've been and what they've learned about marine ecosystems. Elle ducks into the study for an hour to finish work for the day. She shares it with Alberto, so they've designed it to be a comfortable and productive space. As Elle enters the room, the lighting automatically adjusts to a comfortable level, and Elle's favourite work music playlist is piped quietly through the speakers. At 5pm, Elle finishes work for the day. She showers and dresses for dinner, then relaxes with the children. At 6pm, the doorbell chimes. It's Grandma. The kids rush excitedly to the door and let Grandma in. Hi Grandma, want to come scuba diving with us? Have you ever seen a brain coral? (laughs)
1: <laughs> cool okay so I, I ignored hoverboarding the first time you mentioned it chris so <laughs> come on i glossed over it so tell me what you think is going to be the future of hoverboarding
0: they're going to be available right they they're available now Kieran. you've seen the clips on youtube these prototypes they, are out there on fire. They, these are early prototypes Kieran.
1: <laughs> yes okay yeah but joking aside that is a realistic feasible way of getting around in the future isn't it yeah, I, I
0: have seen people using these p- things in public. They're, You know, they're like the Segway, but um, only more fire-prone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but seriously, the, the personal transport um, devices are becoming a commodity, and I think they'll only improve in quality and ability.
1: Yeah, okay, good. Good. So, a couple of other things. Uh, again, we're, we're back in the home now, so we're talking about the, the smart home where lighting adjusts. Um, so, Elle and uh, Elle and her husband, Alberto, have made some decisions about setting up their environment, but after that, the smart home adjusts and makes sure that it provides the, the optimum experience for them individually so as you said, Elle walks into the room and the lighting adjusts for her, not necessarily for um, somebody else. So somebody else might have a different preference for lighting, just like my car's seat position. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was uh, listening to podcasts, which I think is still going to be something that people will do. But as I saw recently, or in fact, I heard a podcast recently where someone was talking about the fact that audiobooks might become more popular in the future because of the automatic as uh, text-to-speech software is going to become better, so it's going to be less robotic and more able to interpret tone and style and uh, um, context from, say, a novel and be able to read it out just as well as a human would. So we'll get this uh, mass increase in audio that's available because the, the AI will be able to read it for us. Great, great. I have, I've got an
0: e-book reader, and it does have um, text-to-voice, but it is stilted and robotic, as you say, so that would be a great advance.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Is there anything else that, that uh, I perhaps haven't picked up on, Chris, the technology or the, the work style, uh, anything that I missed? No, I think if we want to wrap things up, Gihan, I would say
0: that the, I think things do stay the same in so much as out-of-office work is about flexibility and the technology just makes it more seamless than it already is to work productively and to integrate your working into your daily routine and your daily life and and make it um, rewarding and and meaningful.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I just think in my job as a futurist and trying to help, leaders and organisations see what's coming up ahead, I think there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, uh, aren't willing to believe that some of these things are going to happen. And uh, part of it's because uh, it, it actually helps them not to believe it because uh, their jobs may be at risk or some part of their jobs may be at risk or there may be some threats or the things that they knew are going to become less important and sometimes redundant. So their their level of skill is be- going to become less valuable. Um, and sometimes it's because it's just... In- it's hard to conceive that things could improve so rapidly and and to me the the one analogy uh, that I use all the time when thinking about the future is the one that I mentioned earlier that in 10 years time your laptop will be as smart as the human brain so you'd be able to interact with it like a like you'd be able to interact with another person again not saying that you will because we won't be using laptops in that time but just imagine that that's the level of technology we have and then start looking at what could that mean for us in the workplace and at home as well yeah indeed so I hope you enjoyed that little bit of crystal ball gazing give you a glimpse into the future this is our near future it's not decades away it's years away so what do you think do you think it's too far-fetched don't be fooled some of those things may sound like science fiction but most of them are just around the corner many of them are already available so I hope as a leader you're ready for them My big thanks to Chris for most of the work in putting together that scenario. And if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, visit outofofficebook.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanperera.com. You can also find out about my mentoring programs if you're interested in one-on-one work for yourself or your teams. And if you do want to engage with me in other ways, again, go to gihanperera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos, and webinar series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of the individuals in your organization, your team, and, of course, your own potential as well. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the I Matter podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit imatterpodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.